You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and this is my conversation with a musician and artist all the way from the far north of Queensland in Australia. His name is Jason Watkin. It's a fascinating discussion. For this one here, I'd employ you to grab yourself a herbal tea or a cup of coffee or even an alcoholic beverage, sit down and enjoy it. So here he is, Mr. Jason Watkin. Hello, mate. Sounds like we connected. Yeah, mate, we're on. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Sorry about before, too. I uh, just got my numbers mixed up. Uh, that's right. It's it's Andrew, is it? Andrew Mackay-Smith, that's right, yeah. Jason Watkin, pleased to meet you, mate. Likewise, mate. Yeah, Lee's, uh, Lee's told me a little bit about you, but I'm, I've got to tell you, I have not read a biography on Facebook quite like yours. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's great. No, it's good because it's it's out there, man. It's out there. It's you know, I mean, there's this this sentence here. However, he was unable to ride the wave, and Watkins soon found himself on a journey of self sabotage, plummeting him into uh, heartbreak. I mean, when when uh, a musician <laughs> when a musician puts that out there, you automatically stop what you're doing, no matter what sort of music that they're they're writing, and you listen. You want to <laughs> listen. You want to find out what's going on. Oh, that's cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. You know, and whereabouts from up north are you? Um, mate, we, my wife and I live uh, on Cape York, on the east coast of Cape York, up at a place called Portland Roads. Um, we're pretty isolated. How far away from Kansas is that? Uh, it's about, oh, Kansas is probably 10 hour drives. Jesus. Okay, you're that far up. Yeah, yeah, we're, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty isolated. We're, where we actually live at uh, Portland Roads is probably one of the most remote locations in Australia because we basically, for three to four months of the year, we get completely cut off from the outside world. Like, you know, the roads cut, you know, nine times out of ten, the airport's shut. So, you know, I mean, it's it's a different lifestyle, but I guess that's all we hear. I bet. What drew you to that part of the world? Or are you from there originally? Um, my wife's from up here. She grew up in Weeper, so I think that was probably a big attraction. But uh, I came up here contract fencing about five years ago. Um, we'd recorded the first album, and um, I don't know, I think I just needed to get back to the, a bit of hard labour for a while. And um, so I took a fencing contract um, up here on the Cape, and my wife was working. She was a flying flight nurse at Napperton over on the west coast of the peninsula. And um, she decided she was getting a bit burnt out. Um, so she decided to come and she was, the plan was to relax, but she ended up getting seconded by Queensland Health and now she runs the clinic here at Lockhart River at the local Indigenous Mission. Okay, rightio. God, you've mm. got a heck of a story to tell, haven't you? There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of... Chapters. I mean, it's... I, I, look, I, I spent a lot of time in Cairns. I used to work for Telstra and I used to work in Cairns, so fly and fly it in Cairns. I wasn't a linesman. I used to work for uh, executive... I was an account executive, so executive sales. Um, so yeah. I used to just fly out from Brisbane, go to my office there at Mananda, then come back. So fly up Monday, get, come back Friday, that kind of thing. So yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really get a taste of the... I don't even think I went out on the reef once. I went. I think yeah. I, I think I went into the water once when I was up there because I was just you know what corporate life is like. You're busy. It's nose to the grindstone. But yeah, yeah. you do get a sense of the place because of the people you're dealing with. People on the tableland there, the banana growers, the you know the people that are yeah. growing produce. Um, and it's a very unique part of the world. There's not really. I've travelled a lot. Spent a lot of time in Asia travelling. That is not living there. But I love Cairns and I love the far north. Um, 
I don't think my family and probably the lifestyle would suit them. But I do love the life as well up there. And I imagine that it just gives you, as we've already alluded to, there's just so much rich content there for you to draw from for your songwriting. Yeah, well, I mean, like Cape York especially is like the last frontier, you know. I mean, it's it's like the Wild West up here. <laughs> and, yeah, you're right, there is. I mean, I, I wrote the last album up here, you know, and, uh, and especially the property that we own up at Portland Roads, it's... Um, it's it's pretty hard not to get inspired, you know. We've sort of been, we've got a renovated uh, World War Two gun emplacement that we live in. That's up on the hill, and it's got this prime position as you can imagine a gun emplacement would, overlooking the Coral Sea, and you know, we've got this beautiful view to the north. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think songwriters do take a lot of inspiration from where they live, you know, and it, it sort of makes sense. I was so so. I listened to. I guess it's a poem, okay? And you talked about, it's the one where you're talking about people, people you work with. Um, I, want, I, want to give people, really? I want to give people that are listening an opportunity to listen to it without me going into too much detail because I listen to it and if there's not a, if there's, the only people that won't relate to it are the assholes that you're talking about in the poem. Well, <laughs> well you know what the funny part about that poem is, is that after, after we, um, I finished work at the mine I was working in, and that's where I wrote I wrote a bunch of comedy songs, and predominantly just to keep ourselves awake and on night shift, you know. But we went back after the mine closed down, and there was like this farewell party, you know. And I took a bass player and a recording console back, and we recorded the gig that we did around the bar, and um, I, I recited that poem. And the guy that I recited about was sitting in the front row, and he's laughing his ass off, you know. And I'm sitting there he has no idea. Only you knew. <laughs> he was totally oblivious. I love, i got to tell you, that's probably one of the, the my most favourite things that I've heard so far this year, okay? Um, oh, really? I don't know. I mean, you got to get out more, man. <laughs> well, oh, look, you got to take a compliment, right? Because, I mean, I, I do, listen yeah, to that. I do, yeah, totally. I listened to that and um, it, it just struck a chord, I've got to tell you. And I stopped what I was doing. I literally did stop what I was doing and I listened to it all the way through. I love the fact that you're opening a beer or whatever you're doing in that too because it just makes it more real. It's got that you're speaking very directly in that one too. You know, so is there is, is that are you planning on releasing that for widespread consumption? I mean, I know it already is kind of thing because it's out there on socials, but are you planning on releasing it as an MP3 or putting it on an album? Oh, look, I, I'd love to, but the thing is, my daughter, who I take a lot of notice of when it comes to anything, um, you know, promotional-wise, she sort of, she was concerned that I was going to come across as a bit of a redneck, <laughs> which, you know, maybe I have an inner redneck in me, but I don't know, but she's just, you know, she was, because she's my manager, so she was had the manager's hat on, and she was thinking, okay, what, what demographic of people are going to actually be offended by this, you know, and Will it do more harm than good? And I mean, I'm up with you. I'm totally with you. I mean, I uh, I, I really love that stuff because, I mean, you know, it's it's written from the heart. Even though it's comical, it's totally written from the heart. It's it's bush poetry is really what it is, as far as my my ears took it. As you're talking, it's done in that that great bush poetry style, but you're talking about it from yeah. a modern man's perspective. So, I yeah. think, as I say, the, in, anybody that the people. I'm trying to put a trying to you know we talk about the demographics. Ninety percent of people out there who listen to that can relate to that in one way or another. There's just that ten percent. I just love the way you talked about pulling on the apron strings, and I won't go. As I say, I don't want to go into too much more detail because I really want people who are listening to dive into it. But 
you just nailed it, man. You just got it so totally right that the people, and we've all worked with them, the people who just seem to go out of their way to make other oh, people's yeah. lives in absolute misery for no apparent reason. Yeah, that's the thing. Every, everyone's been there. But I, I had a little catchphrase or something when I uh, posted it on Facebook. It said something about, you know, uh, those of you, uh, you know, I hope you get something out of it and you can relate to it. If you don't, then maybe it's about you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I think that was my dig. <laughs> or maybe that's the thing. Maybe the people who get offended by it, maybe they're the demographic that it's about, mate. You know, but I mean, I appreciate your daughter as a manager and she's got your interests at heart. But look, as a 40-year-old yeah, girl absolutely. who spent, I've only just recently got out of the workforce because I'm going back to uni. We shouldn't even say going back yeah, to right. uni because I'm going to Bond to study uh, creative arts in September. Um, but yeah, well, creative was, arts. So what, what does that come? Is that like creative writing or? Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much all of the above, meaning it's writing. So whether or not you go into corporate communications at a company like Telstra or BHP Billiton or whatever it might be, through to uh, writing a novel, through to uh, social media communications for companies, that sort of thing. I just love writing, and the the my, my story in in summary was that I worked at Telstra for eleven years, and I've got a condition called ulcerative colitis and I was just ending up in hospital too much because to be honest man the stress of the job was probably putting me in there even though it was a physical condition I wasn't doing things like taking the medication regularly and and the like and I um, just drove myself into the ground and the truth is I didn't want to leave but I'm good mates with everybody at like my line management at Telstra the Queensland State Management um, really good friends with everybody some of them are my best friends which I'm I'm happy to say but I had to get out of it, man, because it's a job where you never leave it. It's one of those jobs that if you're not doing it, you're thinking about it. Yeah, that um, that, that doesn't sound like a recipe for an enjoyable life, to be honest. I mean, it it does sound incredibly stressful. Um, I don't know how you did it for so long, to be honest. <laughs> it's just I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved doing it. I was an advocate for, for the business, being Telstra. Um, I loved dealing yeah. with the customers. I dealt with some great customers, you know, the Titans down here. Uh, V8 supercars, uh, a lot of utility companies, um, you know, some small, medium businesses who I ended up being still mates with to this day. Um, You know, when you're an account executive, you sort of become part of the inner, in some businesses' case, certainly not all, but you become an integral cog to the way the business functions because technology and communication is so important. And I Mm. loved it, but it was just, you get pulled in so many different directions that it ended up. As I say, I ended up in Logan Hospital. I, I think I've been in there five or six times, and I had to yeah. put, a, put put the brakes on it. And truth be told, I I just said, look, I might be able to do the job, but if I can't handle the job because I end up in hospital, I've got to get out. So I uh, I've just backed myself on this new venture, this new venture of journalism and writing. And yeah, well, it sounds sounds great. You sound like you've reinvented yourself. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to sort of fend off claims that I'm having a midlife crisis. <laughs> I think I'm too young for All that. Right. <laughs> but, so you haven't, you haven't bought the MG yet? No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, I bought a Rambler Hornet though, so you probably know what that is. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. I bought a Triumph. I bought a Triumph Bonneville for mine. <laughs> well, I think we all go through it as men, don't we? Well, we're not all, but you know, oh, yeah. I think if you're a fairly typical Aussie boy, oh, I love your cars. I think it's the rite of passage, mate. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I still drive my SRT Jeep, which I love. You know, it's an older model. It's a 12-year-old model, but, yeah. you know, it's it's still got the yeah. Hemi underneath the bottom. I'm, I'm pretty much a bloke's bloke at the end of the day, unapologetically, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's... Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. 
Nothing wrong with that, mate. I'm not out there to offend anybody or hurt anybody. And, and I guess that's why I can relate to your music so easily. And the truth is, probably like a lot of people, country isn't my bag. But when you're writing songs with the lyrical content that you're putting out there, it's you sort of the music is just su- the support act. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, like I, I sometimes I, I struggle to define whether I am a country artist or not. You know, I mean, I know. I mean, it's probably ingrained because of what I grew up listening to. I mean, we all get programmed when we we're kids, and my parents had a big, you know, Charlie Pride, Slim Dusty, traditional country playlist, you know, on the record player. And so, I mean, it's only natural that that's going to come out in my writing. But, you know, sometimes I, I sort of think, well, I don't know if I want to be classified as a country artist, you know, because I, I hear a lot of country stuff now that's popular and, and contemporary and it's sort of, I can't really relate to it, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I know that is my bag. Well, you've got a very nice little reggae groove going on there and I think the track's called These Are The Days. Yeah, that's a cool scene. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's got a bit of a country thing in it, but it's overwhelmingly a bit of an island reggae thing going on. So, is, is... Well, that was, that, was, that was a very considered um, aspect of that too because we... Uh, where I recorded in uh, in the Sunshine Coast, the guy that owns the studio, he's good friends with a, um, I forget the name of the pedal steel player, but he's in Nashville. And so we recorded the track and we thought, you know, we're going to do something different. So we sent the track over to Nashville and Dave, Dave, I can't recall his last name, but he, he put this kick-ass, well, what you can hear, that pedal steel track on there and he did the Dobro as well. And it just sort of took it from being, you know, some white dude trying to sound reggae to a whole new style of thing. I mean, it was like it was like a country reggae crossover thing, and I, yeah, I totally. really loved the way it turned out. Yeah, very good bit of Al Anderson guitar playing going on there too. It's just very nice groove in the background there, bopping along. It's great beer drinking music, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, you know. it's um... well, Yeah, absolutely, I can relate to that. Well, a lot of the secret of that success was uh, it was actually Will Kepper, the bass player, playing the skank guitar, and he's, he's an island boy. Like, he grew up in Cairns, but he's... He's a TI, a TI guy, and you know it, it, it's an innate ability for them to be able to play that skank reggae feel. It's just so natural. That's that's what I picked up when I made the Al Anderson reference. Yeah. Of course, Al Anderson yeah. is Bob yeah. Marley's guitarist, so it's that's yeah. that's totally what I heard. And Al Anderson's a genius, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, no, that's that's great. So, do you think you're gonna you're gonna plow that musical field more as you move along? Is that is that a is that fertile ground for you? Oh, yeah, look, I'll keep writing. There's no two ways about it. But um, we're actually, I'm in the throes of trying to establish myself with a little fishing charter Cape York adventure business up here on the Cape, which, you know, will include my music because obviously, uh, I mean, I can't help myself but be an entertainer when I'm hosting. Um, But, you know, just obviously I've got the piano and the guitar sitting at the house there. So every time I walk past it, I sit down and play a tune or you know write a phrase or whatever so i'm sure at some point you know i'll i'll get inspired and start writing again but at the moment i'm uh, i am looking at sort of playing some other fields and and getting some other things happen but i mean it's all related anyway because you know i think it's just i have this need to try and entertain you know and that's why i'm trying to get this tourism business started is because I want to I want to share it with people and entertain them, I guess. I understand. Yeah, it's all encompassing. You want to share your lifestyle yeah. with people. You want to bring people into yeah. what you, who you are as a person. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess I open up, but I've got this 
we have this really cool thing that I want to do because I mean, there's you know, there's this huge sort of culture now of 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 men's self help stuff going on on Facebook, you know. And I sort of thought well, it'd be really cool to. What I want to do is I've got this concept of of the baggage tree. So I've got this mango tree at the bottom of our driveway, and what I'd like to be able to do is when you come there, you it's mandatory that you have to take something from your luggage that symbolises some bullshit hang up that you just can't let go of and you have to nail it to the tree that way you can enjoy the week that you're there fishing dirt bike riding whatever completely guilt-free knowing that whatever hang up it's nailed to the tree it's under control and then when you leave it's voluntary whether you take it with you or not and (laughs) i thought that'd be a nice little bit of therapy to sort of slip into the experience I think that's awesome. Yeah, I do think that's awesome. Mm. I, think, I think you're right. I think men's health, obviously being a male, men's health is something that, oh, look, I mean, I'll admit it now, anxiety is something that is, is actually one of the core reasons around my health issues that I shared with you. One of the reasons that I stepped out of the role that I had at Telstra was because there were some days where I was just physically shaking. And I was like, Jesus, get get off. Fuck, excuse my language. Get a fucking yeah. hold of yourself. Sorry if yeah, you're you can listen to this. But yeah, it was, <laughs> you, you, you got your two hands either side of the basin and you're staring at yourself in the mirror saying you're about to present to eight yeah. to nine people that know you will, that have your back, that are your mates, really. They're not just work people or your mates. What the hell is wrong with yeah. you? Get yourself together, but you're physically shaking. And that happened more yeah, than yeah. once to me where I had to just say to the guys, look, I can't, I can't do this, guys. I've got to step out. Everybody understands. But, mate, I've been touched by it personally. And it's when you go through it, you sort of you, you feel diminished. As, a, as, as yeah. because of it, and but you're you're saying that well, this is how I take it. With what you're doing for people is, yeah, you've got all of this shit going on, whatever it might be. But when you come into my world here, okay, this is an opportunity to step out of that for a moment. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's the whole uh, that's the whole idea of nailing it to the tree. It's still there. I mean, you can rest assured knowing that it's still you don't have to worry about it. You can forget about it, you know, and you can come back in five days' time. It'll still be there, and then you can choose to take it with you. You've just spent five days living guilt-free without that hanging over your head, so you've proven to yourself that you can do it. So why the fuck would you want to pick it up and take it with you? Just leave it there. I'll look after it for you. <laughs> I'll add it to all my hang-ups. <laughs> this, this question is going to sound very left field, and I've never asked this question before, so here I go. Almost 300 interviews, right. and this is the first time I've asked it. Oh, yeah. All right. Jason, do you believe in reincarnation? Hmm. I believe in reincarnation. That's a good question. Um, I I certainly believe that when you die, it's not all over. You know, I mean, we're going somewhere else. I don't know where we're going, but I I struggle to believe that it all ends. So you know, it's entirely possible that you could be reincarnated. I guess it's it's completely plausible in my world, but. Um, you know, I definitely believe that the journey doesn't end. I mean, I think, I think more than when you think about dying, taking the big sleep, I think it's more about waking up. You know, that's probably the point where you, you sort of start to get the picture and you understand. But, you know, I mean, nobody really knows. I mean, nobody's come back from death and has been able to give us an implicit description of what happens. But, but well, apart from Jesus, apparently. Thanks, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> But um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely of the belief that things aren't over when this body stops ticking. Yeah, I look. I ask a question because there's a lot of wisdom in just reading your Facebook bio here, listening to your music, 
you sound like an old soul. You sound like as though you've been around the block a couple of times. And I think part of your life journey, if I can go so far as to say part of my life journey is too, is sharing our story with people in the hope that we can help people evolve. You know, and you can evolve in yeah. lots of different ways, but evolve spiritually is what I'm talking about. Well, I think the, the ability to be able to affect people is a uh, is a um, like an addictive thing. You know what I mean? Like when you realise that the stuff you say and the way you act, whatever, does actually affect people one way or another. It does become addictive. So you know, you seek it out. You sort of seek people who who look like they they want to tell their stories. And I, a lot of times, like that's. That's what I try to do is, I mean, I try to ask the questions that get people to tell their story because, you know, and everyone knows, everyone likes to talk about themselves. I mean, you know, that's what we all do. But I, I, I just think there's a real addictive concept to the ability to be able to affect people one way or another, you know, whether it's positively or negatively. I'd like to think most of the time it's positive, but, you know, I mean, just to be able to affect them so that they walk away saying, oh, okay, that's, that's a conversation I'll remember. Well, I, I, the only dif- the, it's, a, it's not a difference of, of opinion in what you're saying at all, but the only thing that I'd like to add to what you're saying is I don't necessarily think you're talking about yourself. I think you're talking about your experience, and that's very engaging, extremely engaging. Mm. When people are talking mm. about themselves a la the Kardashians, you tune out almost instantly yeah. unless you like them, yeah. unless you're inspired yeah. to be like that. And what you're doing is sharing your story, and that's that, that draws people in. And, mate, I think, oh, I don't know who it was. Was it Elvis? It might have even been John Cougar Mellencamp, and I read this about 25 years ago, and I'm 40, right, so you can do the maths on that. Um, But I remember reading it, but apparently there's a lyric in one of those two artists, one of their songs, that is something like 90% of the people are lonely tonight. And that struck a massive chord with me back then. I thought, holy shit, we're all just searching. If he's writing that, and if these are very big, this is a very big artist, right? So, I mean, of course, back in those days, they had a bit more artistic control, or maybe arguably Elvis didn't, but still, I digress. The point stands that that was a lyric that was allowed to go through for mass consumption, if you want. A lot of people were able to listen to it. Maybe we're all just degrees of loneliness from, I know that's, that's not a pessimistic view either, but it just alludes to the fact that we're spiritual beings and we're searching for something, and until we find that, we won't rid ourselves of that loneliness. Yeah, well, maybe, but I mean, I think, you know, the, like, I don't see anything, uh, I, I sort of try and find the difference between being alone and being lonely, you know what I mean? Like, I suppose you can be in a crowd of people and still be lonely, but, you know, like, I, like I spend a lot of time on my own on at our property up at Portland, and, uh, you know, I sort of, sometimes, I guess you do crave a bit of human companionship or whatever, but um, I don't know, it's probably just for a, a change-up, but... I, I've just always had this sort of struggle to try and figure out the differentiation between being alone and being lonely. You know what I mean? I understand completely. Just, yeah. Yeah. It just it just feels like if I can work that out, then things will be a lot clearer. Well, I think it, I think for I know for me, I'm not trying to answer the as I know you haven't asked a question, so to speak, but I know for me. Um, Loneliness is generally about choice because I love being by myself. I go to the sunny coast all the time. Mm. I spend time there. Mm. You know, I'm, I've worked a lot there, so I relate to it. Live live on the Gold Coast. I've worked on the Sunshine Coast, so I like to go away by myself. It's tough because I've got the two kids, and it's very hard to get away. But that's a choice, mm. right? And I can tell you, mate, I'd go for maybe 48 hours without talking to anybody else. There's no drama with that. Yeah. But that's a choice yeah. that I've made to do that, right? And I think 
on the other side of it. And this is where a lot of people have trouble in big cities like New York. And I know Sydney isn't the same size as New York, but you know what I'm saying. It's a big city right. with, with global issues, if you like. And people just sort of bump past you and you can feel like as though you're crushed. You know, there's mm. not that authenticity, authenticity of relationships that you can have with people in big cities that I think you can do in a place like where, where you are. And I know you're in a very isolated community there, but I bet you know most of the people around you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of a small community like this. You know, you do. You do, and you, you feel such a intense sense of community because, I mean, you know everyone's story. I mean, you're, you, you've got a front row seat. You know, it's not like when you walk down the Queen Street Mall, I mean, you haven't got a clue. I mean, you, all you can do is is, is visualise someone and then, you know, if you're so inclined, make a judgement and assume what they might do. But you've really got no idea. But when you live in a community like this, you literally know the story of every person around you, like to a degree. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, everyone interprets things differently. But, you know, when you, when you get the basic outline and you sort of start piecing it all together, you sort of get a very uh, intimate understanding of people. And, uh, and I think that's what I love about small communities because, you know, I mean, I don't know, like, I really enjoy conversation, you know. Like, I, I, I think that's another reason why I'm opening myself up to this whole terrorist thing because I, I really enjoy a good conversation with someone where there's, you know, there's no prejudice and there's no, you know, um, it, it, it's just all about sharing conversation and I think that's really important. I think people need to do that more. They need to have a conversation where it's not about, you know, sort of verbal diarrhea, just all this shit coming out, but just, you know, have an open conversation with each other and tell each other shit that, you know, maybe is a bit private. Who cares? I'll let it go. Yeah, exactly. I know. I think just talking about the, the men's mental health thing, a lot of men are closed and look, we're not emotional beings and we're not sensitive and we're generally not sentimental. You know what I mean? And, we, mm. what we tend to do is just keep plowing forward and that's how we do develop baggage, I think. And it's only when you have something like what I experienced, which was a, a physical decline in health that I sort of forced to stop and say, where the hell am I going in life? And I might actually quite like mm. the boat that I'm on at the moment, but I'm forced to get in another boat and go in another direction to use that analogy. You know, and I'm, and I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. quite open to it now. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy decision. Sorry, when I say it wasn't an easy decision, it was not the thing that I was thinking of when I left Telstra. That I'd go to Bond Uni yeah, and study right. creative arts, and I just, yeah, I just right. to be honest, mate, I think I'm pretty bloody dumb. So I just hope I can get through it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Go oh, on, you, you leave the self-deprecation <laughs> to me, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm just, I just hope. I mean, I just, I'm 40 years of age. You got two kids. I just hope I've got enough in the tank to get through it. And the reason I chose Bond was because I could get through it in two years. If it was yeah. through Griffith Uni in, in Nathan Campus here in the suburbs of Brisbane or down on the Gold Coast, I, I don't think over three years, I don't think I'd get through it. You know that? Mm. Uh, two years, it's compressed, well, you know. The simple fact that you've taken the step and you're doing it, I mean, you've obviously, you, you, you have on board all the instruments you need. So, you know, I mean, it's just a matter of fi finding the enjoyment in it so that you can carry it out, I guess. Yeah, well, that's it. I've just, I've just got to have faith, really. You know, I am a, I am a big believer mm -hmm. in faith and, and that, you know, the spiritual aspect of faith meaning that there's something beyond out there, pretty much mirroring what, what your feelings are. We don't know what it is, but there's something else out there. The journey doesn't finish and it's it's a benevolent force. It's not a malevolent force. And, you know, provided you've got will and, and, and you've got effort and you can work in a direction that you choose, something good should mm. come of it and you can draw people to you that will help you and, 
you know, I think that'll happen for you with your venture there because you've you've got so much intent behind it, and because it's such a it's such a uh, a benevolent thing that you want to do, share your experience with people, and it sounds like a bloody good time, mate. I'm even interested in doing it, you know, if I can get away from the well, life and family. So it, it just feels like the right thing to do, you know, and it feels like I'd really enjoy it. So <laughs> I reckon that if if I can enjoy doing it, then that's probably a winning formula. But um, but I don't know. Who knows? We'll just I'll just throw it out there and see what happens. I mean, you know, there's heaps of challenges and hoops to jump through, but uh, I'm just breathing in and out, I guess, <laughs> waiting for it to happen. Mate, I better ask, how can people get in touch with you then? So people listening who want to get in touch with you, listen to your music, hit you up. You know, I know there's Facebook, but aside from Facebook, well, tell us about Facebook, but aside from that, what else? What other methods can people use to get in touch with you? Oh, well, give me a couple of months and they'll be able to come and book a fishing trip with me. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, mate. I guess uh, the um, the website's probably the the best way to go because, um, you know, I, I check the messages that come through on the website. So if people are keen to, you know, have a yarn, and which I'll, I'm always keen to, especially people who are digging my music, um, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me, just through the website, jasonwatkin.com. The reason I, I make a point of asking that with all of the people that I talk to is that the majority of my listenership is in the United States from my podcast series. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I've got the radio show 4ZZZ Z Digital that I contribute to, but um, overwhelmingly, my, most of my feedback comes through from the podcast series, and I love having an audience up there um, because yeah. I love the fact that it's grown organically. There's no bots involved. People have just sort of picked it up, and I've got a, a core constituency yeah. of listenership of about 30 or 40 people, and I know listen every time I post something, they're there because I can see the cities that they're living through through the analytics that I get. And, mate, yeah. I, I know that I, I'm confident, mate, that it doesn't end there at the discussion. I'm confident that they then go and search for the music of the artist that they've spoken to, that I've spoken to. So, well, It's funny because um, about 18 months ago, um, my, I think, I think my wife ordered, like, this vinyl print, like, um, you know, you it's like a vinyl print. So she was ordering it for my son and the artist was in New York. And um, is that what happened though? You ordered a vinyl print or something? And... Yeah, anyway, so this guy's in New York and he sends the, she buys it online and he sends it out and he's put a, a letter in an envelope. And the letter basically reads, I don't know if you're the Jason Watkin I've been listening to on, on an Australian podcast, but if you wrote Jackie Nevo and then you went on to say something about, you know, it's a pleasure to meet a fellow artist. And I mean, this guy's in New York for crying out loud. I mean, how cool is that? And he just, he obviously saw the name and recognized it and, and felt obliged to, to reach out, you know? And I thought, fuck, that, that is really cool. Mate, you're connecting with people. Yeah. I mean, I re- I mean, it's, yeah, whatever other plans you've got, you know, all those wonderful plans that you've spoken about, your music's already connecting with people. And there's, you, you, you can't, you can't replace the value in that, you know. I mean, you're obviously helping people through your music because it's giving people, um, it's adding to the, it's uplifting them, it's giving them happiness of spirit. And if New York, I well, love I think, New York, by I, the way. Sorry, I, I think what it does is they realise that there's other people going through the same shit, you know what I mean? Like it's vindication, you know, because, I mean, it's like my music is such an every man's music that people can listen to it and say, oh, okay, so well, it's not just me. You know, this guy, can he's not a bad singer and songwriter. He's going through the same stuff. So I guess, you know, if that helps, then more more power to me. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, mate, it's been a fascinating chat. I'll let you get back to the rest of your evening, but thank you so much for opening up. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with the musician and artist all the way from the far north of Queensland in Australia, Mr. Jason Watkin. Thank you so much for listening.